Hi guys, I'm Marie. Today I am back after being gone for Thanksgiving and also for a week-long backpacking trip in Arizona. So thank you so much for your patience. I'm very excited to be back. I had an amazing week, which I will tell you guys all about on another episode. But for now, I'm excited to be back. And today I am bringing you the case of Jacob Gray. Jacob Randall Gray was born to Laura and Randy Gray on March 21st of 1995 in Santa Cruz, California. He was 22 years old when he disappeared. He had brown hair and brown eyes and was 5 feet 11 inches tall. He was the youngest of three children. He had a brother named Micah and a sister named Mallory. Jacob was known for his love of the outdoors. Farming, gardening, hiking, dancing, music, camping, and above all, his family. He worked under his father as a carpenter, but also modeled a couple times and even auditioned for Disney. He was said to be shy at first, but once you got to know him, he warmed up and was charming and hilarious. He was also said to be strong-willed and a deep thinker. Once he found something that he enjoyed, he was known to excel at it, and he picked up skills very quickly, like his love for surfing, biking, and being an outdoor enthusiast. In 2014, when Jacob was between the ages of 19 and 20, Jacob moved from Santa Cruz to Bellevue, Washington. He had moved to Washington after his parents' divorce, which had taken a large toll on Jacob. When he moved, he would stay with his uncle and attend Bellevue College to study kinesthesiology, which is the study of movement within the human body, within muscles and joints. Jacob loved being physical and understanding how it all worked was fascinating to him. Between 2014 and 2017, Jacob ended up moving out of his uncle's house in Bellevue and in with his grandmother in Port Townsend, Washington. Outside of Jacob's studies, being outdoors was his passion. He found solace in being one with nature, and his family would say that he was never happier than when he was in the woods surrounded by trees or in the ocean. Just being outdoors really brought him peace, and he saw it frequently while he was going through hard times or tough decisions. Jacob did eventually end up dropping out of school and was just looking for his purpose. In early 2017, due to his love of nature, physical activity, and family, Jacob decided to bike from Washington to Vermont to stay with his brother who was stationed there for his time in the Coast Guard. The bike Jacob was planning to use was not really one built for speed, nor was it very nice looking. It was also said to be too small for Jacob. He and his father had won it in a raffle. It was a promotional bike with the words Milwaukee Tools on its frame. And he actually sold his Volkswagen sedan, making his bike his only mode of transportation. So he started gathering supplies, and a lot of those supplies came from the Goodwill because he was planning on such a far journey 
Jacob had gotten a yellow and red child's bike trailer. You know those screened-in little carts with like the sun cover that parents put their kids in? And he would use this to store all of his gear. I've literally seen people like driving down the side of the freeway, pulling those carts, and I'm always like, oh my God, I hope there's not a child in that cart. And Jacob did not plan on using cycling-specific shoes, but instead planned to ride his bike wearing running shoes or his hiking boots. And he would outfit his pedals with stock, flat, BMX-style pedals to accommodate this. He had also modified the bike trailer to prepare for a longer journey and to hold more stuff. He used plywood to place milk crates and tied them down to the front of the trailer. He gathered things that would help him along his journey, such as a tent, a sleeping bag, first aid kits, pots and pans, a stove, fuel bottles, dehydrated meals, a poncho, a bow, and arrows, and a spin cast fishing rod and reel. He also packed his grandfather's Hudson Bay blanket. He bought supplies for climbing like crampons, carabiners, and rope. Alongside those items were tarps, bungee cords, a deck of playing cards, a toolbox, a roll of duct tape, and a Bible. It was said that between the bike and the supplies he was bringing with him, that he was pulling more weight than Jacob himself weighed, which was roughly 145 pounds. Before his trip east, Jacob had planned to travel to Olympic National Park into a section named Daniel J. Evans Wilderness before heading west to his brother. And no one knew why he was backtracking during his trip because he didn't really have a set itinerary. But this must have been a place that he wanted to visit. He even told his mother that it could take him up to two years to get there. And he could just work odd jobs along the way. Crazy. Crazy, but actually sounds kind of fun. When he left, he did not tell his grandmother where exactly he was going. And depending on the source, he was said to have left the night of April 4th or the morning of April 5th. And this is 2017. When he left Port Townsend, the weather had been pretty dreary. It was a typical Pacific Northwest weather with rain and headwind. And I can vouch for this because I do live in the Pacific Northwest. And actually today is very similar. There's actually flooding going on right now. Jacob was seen a couple of times along his travels. The first was by a man who saw him twice on April 5th once along Crescent Lake and then in an area called Indian Valley. Then he was seen on April 6th by a woman who saw a man biking up Fairholm Hill with a red trailer. Later on that same day, a woman would see him working his way up Soul Duke Hot Springs Road about two miles from the main road in the area, which is the 101. Afterwards, on her way back down the mountain, she would see his supplies along the same road, but now about 6.3 miles up from the 101. 
She would not see Jacob with his supplies at this time, though. By now, Jacob is not there, but his bike and trailer are tucked into a bush and still in sight of the road. And she was actually curious enough that she snapped a photo. On April 6th, an Olympic National Park worker named Ron radios dispatch. Dispatch 741, Ron on North Plain. I've got a bicycle that had went off the Soul Duke Road about a mile marker seven, and I can't find anyone around it. You might want to send a ranger up here so we can see what's going on. ONP Dispatch replied, copy, thanks for the info, 1630. Dispatch would connect him to Ranger John Bowie. Ranger John would say, Ron, I'll head that way. Is that bicycle down the bank a ways or is it easy to get to? Ron, it's easy to get to. It's got a little carrier on the back of it too. It looks like it crashed off the road. John, okay, so it didn't look like maybe somebody hit it there to go off for a hike? Ron, it doesn't look like anybody's hit it. He just went off the road. I'm going to stay here until you get up this way. John, okay. He took a quick look around, but with many people traveling to the area and not being from the hot springs, he figured the owner had just decided to go on an excursion on foot. When he did his check, it looked like someone was reorganizing the equipment because a tarp was pulled out along with some camping gear. It was also noted that oddly, there were five arrows driven directly into the ground and the bow was laying on the ground beside them. Bowie did let another ranger, whose name was Brian Rye, know about it for the next day. When Rye came to check on it the next day, so April 7, just before 9 a.m., the bike was still within view of the road and not far from the river, maybe about 20 yards or so. He thought it was an odd place for someone to stash their equipment. Rye and a fellow officer would do a quick or hasty search of the area, but there was nothing noteworthy. The bike was still in working condition Neither tire was damaged or flat. It didn't appear that the rider had been struck by a car, so they assumed that he must have left it there on purpose. They looked through ferns and along the riverbank to see if anything was stuck in the logs, but nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Nothing appeared to have been stolen because his gear was still pretty well organized, so they didn't believe it was a robbery gone wrong, and the only thing missing appeared to be his wallet, which they assumed would be in his pocket. I would definitely say, how would they know if anything was missing? Because they have no idea what this guy was carrying. And not only that, but he was carrying a lot of gear. Either way, they would photograph the bike and trailer. And they would also note that just 1,000 feet above where the bike is found is the snowline skirt of the Olympic Mountains High Divide, the source of the Soul Duke River. So snow only a thousand feet above where the bike is found. Now, at this point, 
Jacob has not been officially reported missing because he's out on this potentially two-year excursion. So why would his family report him missing unless they hadn't heard from him for a really long time? The rangers check in with the Solduk Hot Springs Resort, which is located outside the park in Port Angeles, but no one there had seen the cyclist and he wasn't staying at the resort, which I have not stayed at the resort either, but I have been to the Solduk Hot Springs and I stayed at the campground there. And I'm actually doing a Patreon exclusive about that trip And I'll be posting photos and videos of that on Patreon as well. Now, rangers start to believe that Jacob had gone to fill his water bottle in the river and possibly fallen in. With the water being very cold at roughly negative 40 degrees, he would have most likely succumbed to the elements because hypothermia would have set in very quickly. And they figured they would need to check the river in summer when the water levels went down, because right now the river is raging. And much of the area beyond like the main road or hiking trails is impassable. Now, they are able to pretty quickly identify the bike as belonging to Jacob because among his belongings, they find a list of names and contact information, which led Ranger Rye to call Jacob's sister Mallory who then insisted that he call their parents. They were able to pick out missing items based on a list that was created through the family of things that they thought or knew him to be taking. And it seemed like his camelback and water filter were missing from the belongings, which kind of lined up with the ranger's theory that maybe Jacob had gone to get water and fallen in. Of course, later, when the family actually reviews his gear and talks to his grandmother, uh, they do find that other items are also missing. Now, as soon as his parents receive the call, Jacob's father, Randy, drops everything he's doing, picks up Mallory, and drives the 1,000 miles from Santa Cruz to the location where Jacob's bike is found straight away. The pair arrive on Tuesday the 11th, which is five days after the bike had first been spotted alone. Randy and Mallory were joined on the same day by other family members and friends who had flown into Seattle to help look for Jacob. Later that day, Jacob's father and his cousin Danny, who was very close to Jacob as the two had worked together for Randy, Jacob's dad, would start searching that day. So we've got Danny and Randy immediately starting a search that day. They had brought wetsuits and the pair suited up and were ready to search the river themselves when they arrived at the park. Now, because it had been five days after the bike was found, the family was surprised that no ranger-led searches had begun for Jacob. Although Jacob's uncle did tell rangers that their family does not usually worry about Jacob out in the wilderness because of his experience. He also said that Jacob was known for going out alone in wet or cold conditions. And they knew that he was not afraid of camping 
in the elements alone. So we have a adult male who stashes his gear or appears to stash his gear on the side of the road with his bike. We know that there are some things missing from his gear, which kind of leads investigators to maybe think that he is just out there camping somewhere intentionally or that he fell into the water. The rangers had told Laura, Jacob's mother, that there was a lot going on within the park. The Olympic National Park is just shy of a million acres, which is 200,000 acres larger than Yosemite National Park. Olympic boasts of an array of different ecosystems and over 70 million miles of wild Pacific coastline. The park houses many different types of wildlife, such as cougars, bears, and elk, along with mink, raccoons, red foxes, lynx, bighorn sheep, coyotes, and wolverines, with many others not mentioned. There's a lot of wildlife here. Although animal attacks are not common, of course it can never be completely ruled out. You never know what happens, especially when you have a single hiker on foot who could potentially come across maybe a bear and her cubs, which could be a dangerous situation, mountain lions. um, There are things that can get you out here. But no evidence of an animal attack is found. The National Park also sees close to 4 million people a year. And at the time, they needed to be more staffed due to transfers and budget cuts. So they are also short-staffed. And not only that, but within a week of Jacob's bike being found, a plane crashes within the park and another person also goes missing, which led to resources being spread incredibly thin. Jacob's belongings were photographed and stored in a boathouse along Lake Crescent. Now we know that timing can be everything in a search and rescue mission, And Jacob's family arrived five days after the bike was found, and yet nothing had been done in the search for Jacob besides the initial hasty search that we know they did of the area. And it kind of sounded like rangers had their theory, and that theory was that he had gone into the river, so searching for him would have been futile because the waters are too high to do any kind of good search. It's too cold At this point, they need to wait till summer. Also, with him not being reported missing, there's not that urgency that something is already wrong when they find his bike. Although rangers did seem confident of their assessment of the situation, Jacob's family was not convinced, and they really wanted a more thorough search done. And his dad would just keep looking. He would search with friends and family. He would search with basically anybody that would go out there and search for his son. He would also check log jams, large holes behind fallen trees. When he wasn't in the water, he was hacking his way through the forest. He was out searching rain or shine for Jacob. Now, The official search would start on April 12th, just shy of a week after Jacob's items had been found. And during this search, evidence found 
shows that someone had changed a pair of shoes for another as markings showed that hiking boots had been swapped for a pair of sneakers. And those prints led to the riverbed and left markings of what they thought could have been a slip and fall into the water. The search teams would look further down river where it looked like maybe somebody could have pulled themselves out of the water, or maybe this is just disturbance on the side of the river. But because of this, fishery biologists were assigned to search for log jams in the area. Alongside these searches, a dog team that had searched on the 12th also hit on a log jam, which meant something or someone could have been trapped underneath it, but nothing is found. After searching all the log jams for 12 miles on both sides of the river where the bike was located, nothing is found, but it doesn't seem like a Swiftwater rescue team or anything like that is called in, which I'm not sure if they would be on what authorities think is a recovery until the very least the waters calm down. It was noted somewhere that the Coast Guard based in Port Angeles had offered assistance uh, due to Jacob's brother being a Coast Guard and the Port Angeles Coast Guard is only about a five minute helicopter flight away, but it doesn't look like park officials took them up on this help. The search was drawn back to a limited continuous search on April 14, which is quoted from the NPS website as rangers will continue to follow up on any clues that may emerge, but are not actively searching. So in other words, they're basically done searching unless they find any clues that lead them to continue searching. After the NPS searches turned limited, the search was transferred over on April 15 to the Kalam County Sheriff's Department, and they were able to gather about 30 volunteers and tracker dogs with the assistance of the Olympic Mountain Rescue and the West Coast Search Dogs of Washington. Alongside their searches, they posted flyers around the park on kiosks and in gas stations that ranged from Forks, Washington on the west side of the park through Port Angeles on the east side of the park. But no clues came from this. And they would scale back their search on April 16. So one day of searching and then they also scale back. Jacob's family also suited up on this day and dove in the river where Jacob was believed to have gone in. His dad wore his wetsuit and goggles with Micah and Danny tethered to him. So this is Jacob's brother and cousin. They swam and dove under rocks and trees for a couple of miles with no sign of Jacob. Now, shortly after the searches are scaled back by all departments, a pair of shorts is located on the river's edge a few miles downstream from Jacob's belongings. And they were his size and looked similar to a pair that he had received as a Christmas present. They are sent off for DNA testing, which come back inconclusive. Now, even though the searches have all become limited, Randy was 
not willing to accept that. And he would continue searching for his son. But first, he would return to Santa Cruz, wrap up work with his contracting business, and from there, he commuted from Santa Cruz back to Olympic Park over and over again from that spring until the fall of 2017. Jacob's mother, Laura, and friends also spent much of their free time hiking through the Olympic National Park, but found nothing. The family thought it was really unlikely for Jacob just to fall in the river and not make it out again. They believed that because of his strong athletic abilities, along with his love of surfing in cold weather, which, by the way, he was known to do like without a wetsuit, just in his board shorts, the family is also able to determine from his gear and what they know he left his grandmother's with that missing from it is his winter jacket, his crampons, Knives and a backpack are all missing. So Jacob is prepared for the snow and for cold weather and appeared to have left his bike with the intention of entering the snow because you're really not going to carry your crampons around unless you're going to use them. And Jacob had gone out for long walks in the past One time he actually walked from Santa Cruz to San Francisco, which if you're following the path made for you on Google Maps is about 460 miles and roughly a six and a half day walk without stopping. And he did this walk just because he felt like walking. So it's not a stretch that he might wander pretty far from his bike. They also considered other theories, his sister thought maybe cults or human trafficking. Um, It was said that Jacob was having a hard time transitioning into adulthood and finding himself and that he was just kind of lost. So what if he had been misled by somebody that he came across or been picked up by somebody? And this would lead Randy to walk the streets of Port Angeles at all hours of the night speaking with anyone and everyone about Jacob. There were a few reports of people who thought they might have seen him, but none of these panned out or were able to be substantiated. Could Jacob have been in a mental health crisis? Possibly. When Randy and Laura had gotten divorced four years earlier, he had been struggling. And because of these struggles... His mom had thought that biking cross-country would actually be good for Jacob. Even with their worries about his mental health, they were not worried about him possibly taking his own life, though. In articles about the case, Mallory is quoted saying, Jacob couldn't even kill a spider, let alone kill himself. In July of 2017, 100 search and rescue volunteers searched the Solduke River again for Jacob. The search included six counties, 11 dogs, and over 100 people. But these July searches would lead to no new leads. And by this time, Jacob's dad, Randy, was basically living in the forest in order to assist in all searches that are conducted and also continuing his own searches. He actually sold the once-family home 
and bought a truck to pull his new camper. And he also purchased a mountain bike, which he would use to check the San Juan Island chains as well as organic farms in the area. And this bike would just allow him to get into more areas. I think also Randy hoped that Jacob would be lying low working in one of these organic farms because before he left for his cross-country bike ride, he had said that he could work on a farm for some spare money along the way. Why he would leave his bike on the side of the road in order to do this, I don't really think made sense unless somebody had picked him up, offered him some work, and then said they would bring him back to his bike. Now, the search dragged on for Jacob's family for over a year. And during that year, Randy nearly got himself killed searching for Jacob. One time, he traveled to a waterfall just upriver from where Jacob's items had been found. And he ended up putting on his wetsuit, tying himself to a tree by a rope, and putting on his dive mask and grabbing a boulder to sink to the bottom so that he could search behind the falls. He was also boogie boarding and snorkeling along the North Fork of the Sol Duke River to check pools and caves in the area. He was also reported to be often covered in bruises and hardly eating. He was living life on the road, exploring every part of the Olympic forest. And to some, this seemed like a dream, but to Randy... He was living his worst nightmare because he could not find his son. Now, Randy's not the only one out there looking for Jacob. He meets some people along the way that also contribute. Derek Randalls, James Millen, and Tanya Barba make up the Olympic Mountain Response Team, and they have extensive knowledge of the area above the Sol Duke, And they were tracked by GPS to hike about 730 miles in the search for Jacob. Derek was also a Bigfoot aficionado, and he had opened up his bar known as The Barn to Randy early on in the days of searching for Jacob. Randy was known to frequent The Barn when he was in the area, and Derek had allowed him to stay there whenever he needed. This was to be the starting point in Randy's last search that summer in August of 2018. It was about a mile away from the Sol Duke River, which let Randy still be near to the search zone while being accessible to news and remaining out of the poor air quality during his breaks in searching. And the air quality is pretty bad in 2018 due to forest fires coming from British Columbia. So on August 10 of 2018, it was late in the afternoon when a team of biologists that had headed into the mountains to study marmots near Howe Lake were off trail when they made a gruesome discovery. Near the top of a ridge above the lake, they found a body and with the body, is clothing, gear, and a wallet. And when they check the wallet, it belongs to Jacob Gray. Jacob's dad, Randy, is actually out on a search when he receives the news that Jacob had been found. Now, this area that he is found in, 
It's away from any trail. It's more than 15 miles from where he left his bike, and it's 5,300 feet above sea level. And this area would have been covered in snow at the time of Jacob's disappearance. The day after the remains are found, the clothing were collected by law enforcement rangers and a spokesperson for Olympic National Park stated that the clothing did match what Jacob's family said he would be wearing. This would be officially confirmed on August 18 by the medical examiner for Cullum County Deputy Coroner, and he would confirm that these were the remains of Jacob Gray. There does not appear to be any signs of foul play. And there's no campsite found near where Jacob had been, but he did have insulated clothing, a lighter, and lots of food on him. But authorities believe that he suffered from hypothermia and succumbed to the elements. But that doesn't really solve the question of why Jacob was 15 miles basically straight up. This is 5,000 feet of elevation from where his bike was found in a deeply covered snow area. Was his intention to get lost in the woods? I don't know. Finding Jacob's remains did at least bring some solace to the family. They would now have a chance to lay Jacob to rest And they would be able to stop searching for him, which had consumed their lives. This, however, was devastating as it proved that he never left the mountain. He wasn't out there living his life somewhere alive where they might still find him. This would put an end to that line of speculation. And when Jacob's father, Randy, heard the news on his way down, After hearing that they had found his son, he heads down to try to intercept the rangers who have Jacob's remains, and he actually comes across other rangers giving CPR to a woman in cardiac arrest, and he stays to help, switching off doing chest compressions with the rangers. So after searching for more than 14 hours a day for close to 16 months straight, He then finds out that his son has been found and that he is dead. He still stops to help on the way down, which is just incredible. So that is the story of Jacob Gray and really the story of his father who never stopped searching for him. If you have any other theories in this case, let me know. And thank you so much for tuning in. I will be posting my backpacking trip to the Sol Duke Hot Springs in this area. I literally drove up this road where Jacob's bike was found. I will be posting that on Patreon along with the videos and photos from my trip. So hop on over there to support us. Bye. One.